you, my friend, are God's plan for today. Without you, the plan of God couldn't have been completed or accomplished. You were God's plan all along for all of eternity. Before you were even in human existence, you were part of God's purpose at the moment when you came on the scene of life. The plan of God will never be complete without your full cooperation. This is Carol McLeod, and I'm your host on the Charisma Podcast Network. For all of eternity, God has had you in mind. Wow. Welcome to a jolt of joy. Paul, the man who had hunted down Christians to murder them, now loved Jesus Christ. Paul believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Paul, who had been born into every advantage and benefit that the Jewish culture could offer, laid it all aside for the sake of the call of Christ Jesus and the kingdom of God. Paul loved the church at Ephesus, and he sent them a letter from a Roman prison cell. Now, as we begin today's study, we can't forget where we left off yesterday in Ephesians 3, verse 10. Let me read it to you. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You are God's plan for today. You have been chosen to reveal the indescribable and abundant wisdom of God through your life. The plan of God for the world is not complete without your full cooperation. And while we live with joy and peace and hope and wisdom and abundant life, the angels and the demons are watching your extraordinary and abundant life. Now let's begin with Ephesians 3, verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, Jesus and you are part of God's eternal purpose for the world. Jesus was not an afterthought. He was God's plan all along. And so are you. You have been made. You have been created with eternal purpose. Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. You can have bold and confident faith because of everything that Jesus has done for you. You don't have to be afraid to come into God's presence. You don't have to be afraid to ask for his promises to be fulfilled in your life. Jesus' death and resurrection made it possible for you to come boldly to the Father. And now we're actually going to skip verse 13 and come back to it later. Let's read Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, what is the reason that Paul bows his knees before the Father? What is it that drives Paul to his knees in prayer? Well, let's go back and read Ephesians 3.13, because now it's going to make sense to you. We have to read Ephesians 3.13 
in order to understand Ephesians 3.14. Therefore, Paul says, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. You know, Paul was concerned that the church at Ephesus would lose heart simply because Paul was in prison. And Paul so desired for the believers that he loved so dearly not to become bitter, grieved, or disheartened simply because Paul was temporarily in chains. Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he refused to allow the church to lose faith over his personal trial. You know, a trial often causes a believer to lose their vibrant faith, doesn't it? It's easy to lose heart when you're going through a hard time or when someone you love is going through a difficult time. Paul says, don't do it. Don't lose heart. Prayer is an integral part of assaulting the principalities and powers that attempt to discourage us and to embitter us. And so like Paul, I bow my knees on your behalf, my friends. I pray for those under my watch. Now, some commentators believe that Paul was actually on his knees as he dictated these words to his scribe. Some historians believe that Paul was in this consecrated position of prayer on his knees as he cried out to God on behalf of the church at Ephesus. Some scholars believe that Paul was even prostrate on the floor as he cried out to God that the people he loved would not become embittered over Paul's hardships. You know, among the Jews at this time in history, it was usual to stand and pray. Kneeling for prayer only happened as an expression of deep earnestness. I love what Charles Spurgeon has to say about prayer. This is what he says. We aren't all teachers, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we all can be prevalent in prayer. Listen, you don't have to be good at prayer to get the job done. You just have to mean it. You know, every time I read this passage of scripture, Ephesians 3, 13 and 14, it's always amazing to me that it's birthed out of Paul's concern for those who might lose heart on his behalf. This portion of prayer is birthed in prison, and yet Paul points all of us to the extraordinary magnificence of the God whom we serve. Paul is the one in prison. He's the one in chains, and yet he is more concerned about the ones who are concerned about him. Ephesians 3, verses 15 and 16 that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted 
and grounded in love. So Paul says that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. God has a gift for you, my friend, that comes from the riches of his glory, that's birthed in the inexhaustible riches of the glory of God. Now, God could give and give and give again and never run out. God could give and give and give again and never make a dent in the riches of his glory. So what is Paul asking that God reach into the riches of his glory and give to you? Well, he's asking that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. You know, regardless of what else you and I need in life, I can tell you that we need to be strengthened with his spirit in the inner man. We need this strengthening more than we need air to breathe or clothes to wear. We need this strengthening that comes from the riches of his glory more than we need a trip to Disney or a day at the spa. We need the strength that only God gives more than we need a new home or a new living room couch. We need God's strengthening power more than you need a man of God to marry or a woman of God to marry or a new baby to hold in your arms. You know, God's strengthening only happens through the person and through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't earn his strengthening. You can't buy his strengthening. You can't work your way into it. You must receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the good news is this. You can tap into the power of the Holy Spirit anytime, any place, anywhere, because power failure is impossible with God. I hope that right now, wherever you are, whether you're driving or sitting at your kitchen table, whether you're listening at work or or perhaps at home, that you will stop with me today and say, God, give me your power. Give me everything that the Holy Spirit has for me. God, I need strengthening that's birthed in the riches of your glory. Ephesians 3, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, Paul says you need Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. I love this word dwell in the Greek. It's the Greek word katoikain, and it's a very specific meaning. It means settling in. Katoikain means being at home or taking up permanent residency in a specific location. Jesus wants to be enthroned permanently in our hearts. You know, Jesus is only at home when you put him in his proper place. And where would that proper place be? Well, it's in the throne room of your heart. There is no place else for Jesus to live and dwell. And Jesus must be given all authority in our lives. You must put Jesus in charge because he is Lord and he truly knows what's best for you. Don't relegate Jesus to the coat closet of your heart, to the bathroom of your heart, or to the laundry room of your heart. 
Put Jesus front and center in the throne room of your heart and go to him for every decision, large and small. Listen for his voice and obey. We have a permanent resident of our lives who is an expert at everything. Let him take care of it all. Consult Jesus, listen to him, and take his advice. Let him become that permanent resident of the throne room of your heart. Thank you for joining me on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can also visit my website at justjoyministries.com. It's my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. Email me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.